Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dead to Rights, the podcast. I'm your host, Donna Carrick. Each week on the pod, we aim to bring you fantastic interviews with our deadly friends in the writing industry, from authors to booksellers, publishers, editors, and everyone in between. We'll talk with these knowledgeable folks about writing tips, author and reader events, and changes in the current industry landscape. For our readers on the run, we'll feature short stories every week designed to delight our busy readers during commutes, while walking, or any time a great short story would be appreciated. So hop on to your favorite listening device and subscribe today at iTunes or at Google Play. Also, a heads up to our faithful listeners, we'll be bringing the Dead to Rights podcast to our Carrick Publishing YouTube channel in the very near future. Do you have a question related to writing or the book industry that you would like Donna to answer or to ask to one of our authors? If so, hop on over to the Facebook page, Dead to Rights, and post your question. We'll be sure to include it in the next upcoming episode. Thank you. Today, we bring you a great episode. I'll be interviewing Carl Bimshaw's leadership consultant and author in his own right. Carl will bring some great tips for our writers out there. But before we do that, I'm going to bring you a short, short story by my husband, Alec Carrick, titled, There's No Such Thing as Time. And he wrote it in 2009, shortly after the death of Michael Jackson. So if you put it in that context, I think you'll, you'll get his drift. Thanks, and I hope you'll enjoy the story. Let it rot. There's No Such Thing as Time by Alec Carrick. Whenever I hear that a major celebrity has died, I'm reminded that there is no such thing as time. Our most vivid memories of these individuals are when they were at their prime. Their vitality and life force made them seem indestructible. Then, suddenly, ten or twenty or thirty years later, they are gone. It seemingly happens in the blink of an eye or the snapping of the fingers. I'm quite conscious that the same will happen to me one day. Michael Jackson has been the latest casualty of this phenomenon. A failure to understand that there is no such thing as time is what bothers me so much about teenage smokers. It is not as if they don't know the long-term consequences in terms of addiction and ill health. It's just that now is in the moment. Friends are calling and the future is so far away. I'm nearing 62 years of age. In other words, I've taken up residence in that far distant future and can bear witness that it was a very short journey to arrive here. The bridge of time is foreshortened by long-ago memories that can seem as fresh as today. Regret is the baggage when past foolishness leads to present pain. Teens who smoke might as well have signs on their backs that read, I'm stupid and I don't listen to anybody. My wife, Donna, recently opened my eyes to another aspect of the passage of time that I had never considered before. In our consumer-oriented and advertising-driven society, we worship youth. But, in all truth, many people become more beautiful as they grow older. Among those with some acquired maturity, smiles are less wide, but they are more knowing. Eyes may be a little less bright, 
but they draw you in deeper. Skin may lose resilience, but it's softer and warmer. The soul finds more expression in the form. Any discussion about the nature of time leads into a consideration of moving backwards and forwards across the ages. This is a staple of the science fiction genre. The trouble with time travel stories is that they always run up against a logical inconsistency. Nevertheless, here's a little tale that I've put together involving a mysterious stranger who walks into a drinking establishment and approaches the bartender. Stranger, if I'm able to convince you that I am a time traveler, will you pour me a free drink? That's a good one, says the bartender. Give it a try. Stranger, I know this will be a shock, but I'm your father, and I can prove it. Your mother was a very beautiful woman and destined for great things, but she died in childbirth. Bartender, okay, that's true so far. I'll need a lot more than that, though. Stranger, I know that we look about the same age, pushing 40, but we have the same body type, except that you're putting on a little weight. Here, let me show you a picture of when I was a little boy. Wasn't I the spitting image of you? Bartender, wow, you're right, but I was told that my father was killed in the war. Stranger, your aunt and uncle just said that to make you feel better. Bartender, you do know a lot about me. Is it all based on research? Stranger, would I go to all that trouble for one free beer? Bartender, I guess not. You mean it's really true then? Stranger, yes, I am your father. But I have to tell you, Luke, I'm really a little disappointed. I thought by now you'd be a Jedi Knight. And that has been There's No Such Thing as Time by Alec Carrick. From Two Scoops is Just Right, 78 Funny and Original Short Stories. Let it rot. And now, let's give a big Dead to Rights welcome to Carl Bimshaws. Carl is an acclaimed executive coach and a celebrated author. Boston-bred and California-chilled, he earned an M.S. in Executive Leadership from the University of San Diego and a B.A. in Mass Communications from Emerson College. He's held several operational and sales positions in public and private corporations. As an executive coach, Carl has helped many companies and individuals improve relationships and strengthen leadership skills. He works with organizations to create leadership training, accountability partnering, and customized development programs that grow employee relationships and build effective teams. Carl's clients are busy professionals who want to set and achieve great goals. He helps them better their lives, prevent career derailment, and works with them to create a step-by-step plan to accomplish important objectives. As an author, Carl has written a successful line of business books that feature valuable advice on how to thrive in today's workplace. His fiction writing also inspires readers to become leaders in their everyday lives. Fans of Carl's work find it to be vividly written, with dialogue that is realistic enough to make readers feel they are eavesdropping on a conversation.
Good morning, Carl. Welcome to Dead to Rights. It's Donna. Hi, Donna. Glad to be here. Yes, it's good to have you on the show. I've been following you online for years, so I've been watching your leadership consulting service and your fictional writing for years, so I was really happy to be able to invite you on to Dead to Rights and have you accept. Well, I'm happy to be invited. <laughs> uh, many of our listeners will already know you from social media as a writer and as an engaging friend and a great conversationalist. Um, your blog is www.bimshawsconsulting.com and it reveals to, to this reader a real passion for excellence in leadership, coupled with the knowledge to actualize effective leadership. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about your business background and what led you to pursue this passion for leadership consulting? Well, sure. Thanks. Uh, I've always been interested in leadership. I mean, that, that was, uh, it was more behind the, well, behind the scenes that I was a, a director. That's what I went to college for, was uh, was directing and, and that kind of thing. But I got uh, involved with Xerox, a uh, Fortune 500 company, and became a manager there, and they had some great management training and all that, and so I just had an, had an interest in that. Also got my master's in executive leadership while I was with Xerox. Uh, joined another uh, firm where I did more sales uh, business development and, and led a business development team there, and I, I've just always had um, that, that sense of Wanting, you know, you have a responsibility when you're managing people. It's not just the results that you get. It's also making sure that the people are feeling good and, and feeling good about getting the results and you're all on the same page. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've worked with uh, with people who get that and do a fabulous job and I've worked with people who don't and it's, it's a horrible job and I really uh, can see the toll that that takes on people. So it's really kind of infused me with the passion of making sure that we have more well, we need we need more people like you to to make that well known because I've worked in business my whole life and some of the things from looking at your website that really struck a chord with me were knowing your values. You've written uh, an article on knowing your values. Uh, you can thank your lousy boss. Uh, I love that because we love to criticize our lousy bosses, but sometimes our takeaways are quite positive. So that's something that we should thank them for. And um, the uh, why some executives do not put poor performing leaders on corrective action. Those were just three of the topics that really struck a chord with me on your website. Um, and it's all about making a better life for ourselves while we earn a living, isn't it? Right, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, on both both ends of it. I mean, if you're if you're a leader and you're kind of having a lousy time with it, you don't like the people you're <laughs> you're leading or or the cause that you're going for, all that you're kind of a miserable person. Uh, and and then nobody really wants to work for that kind of person either. Um, but we often get stuck doing that. So I'm also trying to have people, you know, understand how to how to deal with those types of people so they don't have to work for them for long. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. there's definitely a, a passion for sure. I mean, that's, uh, you know, on, on both sides of it, it's very much wanting people to lead better, but also kind of wanting to uh, dramatically uh, diminish the amount of influence lousy leaders do have. So. Yeah, I, I'm very much of the opinion that um, we don't know what exists in the afterlife, but in this life, we've only got a very limited amount of time and we want to excel and we also want to be happy. And the two often go hand in hand. When we're really happy, we tend to excel. And when we excel, it makes us happy. So 
You know, that's that's the that's what drew me to your site and to knowing more about what you're doing. What types of people come to your organization for help and from what business backgrounds? So um, there are all types of people. They, they come from it's mostly professional services backgrounds, although uh, not exclusively. Um, I tend to work with people, uh, there's kind of th- three sets of people, uh, individuals who come in for uh, individual coaching. Um, they just want to get better at what they're doing or they, or they have a specific uh, goal in mind. But typically, you know, 60% of my clients are women. Um, they tend to have worked for a little, something for a little while and it's okay, but they want to do something different. They've had good success, but it's time for a change. They either want to start their own business or, or have the, the side gig uh, really take root. Um, and they haven't been getting the amount of support that they need or, or their confidence is waived or something like that. So that's on the individual level. Mm-hmm. On the small businesses, they tend to work with uh, small businesses, usually the, the owner and small businesses, kind of the mom and pop shops or, or things that, you know, maybe 10 to 15 people uh, in the business. And it's been the founder and, and they've started from scratch and, you know, they get a lot of uh, pride in what they do. Mm-hmm. And they have to, they've reached a point where they've got to decide whether they're going to you know, continue to be the practitioner of what they do or if they're going to be like the office manager or the president or what, what is it that they're going to do. So they have to decide that. But they've also, they have all the success, but now they don't know how they did it or they realize, hmm, I'm not treating people the way I want to. They just stumbled across the fact, hmm, I'm actually leading instead of just running a business. Right, right, so, right. So, yeah, exactly. Those who have, have, have realized that. And then uh, executives, usually director level or above, and these tend to be people who have been in the in an executive role for maybe 18, 24 months, and the honeymoon period uh, has kind of faded pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And usually their team uh, aren't as enthusiastic as it was before, and, and they're not quite equipped with it. Sometimes they're directed to come to me, but usually, and I tend to work better with the folks who are... Uh, looking for the self-improvement and say, hey, something's not quite right. Yeah, because they don't always know why, do they? They All they know is something is wrong. Right. Yeah. Well, I know I've been both a manager and a managee, and uh, I can tell you, you often don't know what's going on behind the scenes in some of these relationships. Oh, very, very rarely. And so, you know, I go through, there's a lot of skills, I call them the essential leadership skills where they're just some of the basic things like business acumen and how to read people and, and mm-hmm. just a lot of the nonverbal clues so that you're yeah. a little bit more aware of what's going on instead of just, yeah. you know, working on a task. And that brings our listeners to why I wanted you on the show, because as as our listeners know, this is a writer's podcast and a reader's podcast. And um, if you don't know Carl Dimshaws, he is an author. He has a number of leadership books to his credit, as well as a number of fictional works to his credit. And uh, right now, I want to ask about your fish, your uh, leadership books, Carl. The uh, Leaders Don't Shrug, I've Been Thinking, Pushing Back the Ocean, and one of my favorite titles, The Day Kevin Turtle Abandoned His Shell. As a creative writer of fiction, I think it's brilliant that you realize the need to articulate your knowledge in the written format. It's um, a medium that many business leaders overlook, and it's it's something that everyone can carry away with them. It's not just words spoken that are quickly forgotten. It's something that people can go back and study and ponder. What first triggered you to go down the path of writing your leadership skills down for people? Well, I think 
like with most writers, I, I wrote quite a bit, and then that was it, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody saw what I wrote. Mm-hmm. Yes, know, or, exactly. <laughs> it might have been journals or like, hey, here's what I should have said, you know, a little dialogue in your head and those yeah. kinds of things. Um, my sort of background in, in writing was screenwriting, so all the, the fiction stuff I did was screenwriting, so I didn't think about any, any business stuff per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, I don't know, 2006 or so with, with blogging kind of first opening up, and I, I made it one of my goals for the year to go public with my writing. Mm-hmm. And so, so the blog was a way to do that, where I would just start, you know, putting down some thoughts. And because I was a, a, a business development manager at the time, they tended to be my audience was, you know, <laughs> my my staff, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, and mom and dad maybe. Yes. <laughs> and, and I just wrote, uh, you know, just. Uh, about uh, situations and how we could deal with it better or differently, and they tended to be business, but they also, you know, they were human. You know, mm-hmm. it was just how to deal mm-hmm. with a human, not just in a business situation. So that, that was probably the, the trigger where I forced myself to go public with it and just put put the writing out there. And then it was, hey, I have a built-in audience who sort of has to pay attention anyway. <laughs> how handy for you, Carl. <laughs> back, back, back. Well, and, and that's where you get feedback because they didn't always like it and didn't always appreciate it. But sometimes of course. They did. But that just got me, that built the discipline around starting to explore everyday items, you know, that we deal with from a, from a leadership standpoint or, or just people interaction standpoint. I, I think... Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I, I think Carl, that you've got a an artistic approach to life in general, and I think that bleeds into your business, doesn't it? I'm thinking of something you wrote called "Bring Your Artist to Work," um, and uh, you quoted Pablo Picasso, who said, "Every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up." Uh, talk to me about how that bleeds into your business life. Uh, well, it's the constant uh, struggle or dance between the head and the heart, right? With, mm-hmm. with everything, with everything that we do, and, and even with me and my my coaching, I'll find people who are very much in their head, very logical over things, and I'm like, okay, let's work, you know, from the heart and the gut, and others who are very emotional and you know aren't really being very logical, and so we go the other direction. So it's mm-hmm. it's um, it's partly uh, my own learning and development that it that it takes both to be fully living mm-hmm. um and that the, the artistry is knowing which time to listen to which one yes <laughs> you know and I, I i think we still need some editing on on that <laughs> approach but, <laughs> and we'll never be um, perfect and that has to be okay right. but we we should strive to to make it the best experience for ourselves and others that we can i think and that that's what drew me to to ask you to come on and talk about this because every aspect of our life is an art in my view and not just the writing or painting or dancing that we do in our lives but the work exactly yeah that's exactly right and yeah because there's uh, yeah, when you're looking at because art is is creativity so anytime you're doing something you know creative or bringing your own interpretation or perspective to it, you're bringing a kind of a, an art to it, a music to it. Mm-hmm. And, and isn't that a great thing to look at when you see people who are just passionate about what they're doing? Yes. Um, or, or, and even if they're not passionate, because it doesn't have to just be that, because that can burn out, but they, they're just expert at what they're doing and they do it very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great thing to look at. It, it, it's you know, a joy. It's work. a joy. It's a joy to me. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to, to authors, because 
To me, it's a joy to see people doing what they love. And you hear this about painters, you hear it about dancers. Why not authors and writers? I mean, you know, we're artists too, and we, we have a real joy in what we do. And I wanted to explore that with as many authors as I could. Um, which brings me around to your creative writing. Do you mind if I read a little bit of a, a poem that you wrote, uh, just a tiny bit for our, our listeners? Oh, I don't think I have any choice in the matter. Uh, <laughs> I could. <laughs> you could say no, and I could edit it out. But, but let me go ahead anyway, and then you can be the judge. It's called The First Embrace by Carl Grimshaws. He may be hooked, may be shook, but he will not sleep well tonight. And we, us seasoned romantics, alone in the cafe, with our pens and words and empty cups long grown cold, witnessed it and know, whatever it will become, would never have begun without her. I loved that, and I found it absolutely brilliant because, in my experience, there's almost always one partner or the other in the dance of romance that is the leader and who makes it all happen. And you captured that just perfectly, and that's the creative part of your writing, I think. Um, you've got titles like He Loves It When She Smiles, Leaving Castle, The Gambler's Son, Three Blinks and a Sigh, and The Trouble with Women, and um, not to mention Caffeinated Romance, which has a beautiful cover. I just, uh, for a business leader like yourself, it might seem out of character to someone who doesn't know anything about you, but to someone who first got to know you online through your social media presence, it's not at all surprising. Which of your two author selves do you most connect with? The I'm, I mean in, by this the creative writer or the business writer, or both. Right, yeah. Well, I think it's yin and yang, right? Uh, they, they have a symbiotic relationship. Yes. <laughs> and, um, when, when uh, I mean, there are times you have to focus on, on one, and then that's when the other one screams for the attention. So, uh, you know, as, as depending upon what's going on in the, in, the, in the business world, both from, you know, things that I have to get done or marketing or just trying to grow the business, uh, uh, be much more sort of business-focused and, and that has its own type of creativity. But after a while, that's like, oh, i got to go out and get a cup of coffee, and before you know it, out comes a poem or a, yes. a, a bit of dialogue or something like that. Short so, story, a novel. They, yeah. 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 So they, they, they feed into each other. And I, I think that's, um, I don't keep the worlds separated, but I don't intentionally bring them together. I think that's actually the, the, kind of the way that the, the perfect couple, right? They each have their own, their own world and then they come together every once in a while. Yes. They so they're not fully compartmentalized. Yeah. 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 I, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. what's your next project all about and what are you working on now and when do you expect it to be complete? You want accountability from me, huh? I do. I do. <laughs> I've been listening to your leadership uh, advice, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. Okay. So, so <laughs> there is, I, I, like most writers, have a novel that I've been working on for a very long time. Um, and so actually, one of the things that I, I did, as I mentioned, a lot of things were screenplays to begin with. And it's only, you know, maybe six or seven years ago that I started really turning them more into, into prose and novels and short stories and things like that. And so I did a project for myself where I took all the characters of everything that I have already written and, and reformatted them so that they all fit together. Oh. So they might have had been separate characters before. Now I'm 
you know, telling a story. So it's a big, long timeline. So it's almost like a, a series of, mm-hmm. of books. And the one that I'm working on now, which I really liked as a, as a screenplay, but it has a few holes in it, as a, as a work of fiction here, it, 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 it feels like a transition piece. Mm-hmm. And so it, here's, here's my typical writer <laughs> avoidance. So, it's, so it doesn't feel ready yet, Donna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but, it's, but it's been like that for a long time. And that's really where, as a writer, you have to like, okay, it's, it's time to let it go. So I think, yeah. it's, you know, one more, one, one more pass, and then it's just it's it's uh, done and it's out there, and then I can move on. Um, and, it, and it is a bit of a transition piece because it's a it's a, a piece of work that I'm not entirely convinced it will stand on its own, but mm-hmm. it fits between the two stories that I have in mind. Uh, but that's just me procrastinating and putting it off. But but you asking that question, I will have it done. By the spring. You'll be able to tell us more about it online or if I call again, right? <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. I, I, will. I will commit to that. Now, it may be horrible, but it will be done and it will be out there. And finished is important. <laughs> I know this from reading your, your leadership consultations online. Um, finishing is important, even if you finish poorly, because finishing allows you to clear out the clutter mentally and move on, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 You gotta. You gotta get these completes in your life. Yeah, that's right. And that leads me to ask you if you have a tip for our writers, uh, new writers in particular, who may be listening, about any part of the industry. Um, I'm not so much part of the industry, but I do have. I'm going to go with six words of advice. Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I would say this: write, revise, release, receive. Rejoice and repeat. I like that. Say that again one more time, please. Well, now I'll define them for you. So write, like you actually write. Don't talk about writing. Just Mm -hmm. make the discipline of doing it, right? Revise. Mm -hmm. What you wrote probably isn't brilliant the first time around. It might be, but it probably isn't, so you've got to revise it a bit. That's where some of the magic happens. Relief, you've got to let it go. You've got to, you know, give it to people to publish it, self-publish it, put it out there. It it needs to breathe, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then once you release, it's no longer yours, really. So then you have to receive, and you receive, you know, you're going to get feedback. You don't have to listen to it, mm-hmm. right? Some people will think it's great. Some people won't. Sometimes it'll just be crickets, but you just have to receive and get feedback. Uh, and then rejoice over the fact that you actually did all of that. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then repeat, do it again. Yep. And yep. I, I think if you follow that, you, you're going to have a pretty good path no matter what, you know, you choose. I I think you summed it up brilliantly. That's six words for writers, and I'm going to listen to this again when I'm done recording it because I think you've summed that up just absolutely perfectly, spot on. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you, Carl. I really appreciate you coming on the show with us today. Um, stay on the line with me. I'm going to chat with you for a minute before I let you go once, once we're uh, done recording. Terrific. Thanks so much for having me, Donna. It was my pleasure, truly. What a treat it was to have Carl Bimshaws on the pod today. I hope you've all enjoyed hearing him and his leadership uh, his leadership tips for writers. I want to send him a great big thanks. You can find Dead to Rights at deadtorights.ca or at our Facebook page, Dead to Rights. Our Twitter handle is at deadtorightspod. 
We'd love to hear from you at carrickpublishing.com or at our Carrick Publishing Facebook page. If you've got any questions that you'd like me to ask to any of the authors who come on our show, please go to the Facebook page Dead to Rights and post them there. I'll be sure to watch for them and include them in the programming. You can find me, Donna Carrick, on Twitter at Donna underscore Carrick or at my website, DonnaCarrick.com. If you're a published author and you'd like to join our listeners on the pod, contact me at carrickpublishing at rogers.com and say schedule me for an interview. Join us next week when we'll have another great interview and story for you. Our Dead to Rights theme song is Eyes of Gold, composed and performed by Ted Carrick, who also brought us any original story scoring music. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Free, yet it rides. Let it rot.